Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Victor Guadagnino, and he is co-founder of Keystone Canna Remedies. And Keystone is the first dispensary in Pennsylvania. We're going to learn a little bit more about that. And we're going to hear about his background and the company and what they're doing today. A good episode on the, the business of dispensaries. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. Victor, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. And thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Why don't we start with the background? Let's get a sense of how did you get into the space? How did you get into the cannabis space? And and tell us a little bit about the beginnings, the founding of the first dispensary in Pennsylvania. Healthcare has been a field that I've always been interested in and that my family has a business in. So I before I was doing this, we were actually managing a healthcare cardiology practice in Brooklyn, New York, where my father was the cardiologist in internal medicine. He was a sole practitioner. And then my aunt, Joan, who's also my co-founder, uh, was our healthcare manager for the practice. So we come from a healthcare background and cannabis was making its way across the country. Yeah. You know, kind of Literally Illinois. from California to the East Coast. <laughs> like, like, like a green wave, right? Yeah. So obviously it was a, a hot topic as we know. Yeah. And New York had just introduced temporary regulations. We're from New York. We're from Brooklyn, New York. That's where the practice was. And we took a real serious look at New York. It was actually my father's idea to get into cannabis. We had a, a good background for it in the way that the programs are set up. We look at merit-based states. So at that point, we weren't a cannabis company. We were a permit acquisition company, right? So then that's how it's a good way to frame it for ourselves is what is our job right now is to put together a awesome 
application, yeah. build a good team, and demonstrate a capacity to operate. Right. So those were the kind of the three things going into there. You know, there's a, another important thing called funding, but we would have <laughs> worried about that yet. So we really, uh, long story short, is we were looking at New York. We did pull out. We didn't actually put an application into New York because yeah. of how unfriendly the market was. It was by that I mean limited number of licenses, limited number of conditions, a low amount of physician involvement. So and also, you know, with low amount of licenses, vertically yeah. integrated, it was very political. So not a good situation. Very happy that we didn't pursue that. Yeah. And we actually do have a residence here in Pennsylvania. We've been kind of splitting time for about 25 years. We have a house in Bucks County, which is, you know, about uh, northeast Pennsylvania. Yep. And then one of our other partners is actually from the Lehigh Valley where we opened our first location. Got it. So Pennsylvania comes out with the regulations, very friendly. So Department of Health is doing an educational campaign. We were involved very early on. We had some input in the regulations. Mm-hmm. We started introducing ourselves to local community leaders, local healthcare leaders. We did some real estate scouting, which was obviously in cannabis business. It's really a real estate business first. Um, a large part of our success today was because of the location that we found. Yeah. So we focused in on Lehigh Valley and it was really kind of the community spoke for itself. We wanted, we've always been saying that we didn't want to just set up shop and do business. We wanted to become part of the community. And we found that cannabis actually was not too much of a taboo subject in this area. But I think a large part of that was how we present it. We kind of take a middle line approach where we don't tout cannabis as a curative or a cure-all, and we don't say it's the devil's devil's lettuce, right? So there is a lot in between to have this conversation. And that's what we are good at is we present ourselves well professionally. We're changing the paradigm. We're changing the language. You know, instead of high, we say psychoactivity as just a very basic example. But once you start answering, what we got good at was our patient care from the practice. Mm -hmm. And what we were missing was cannabis expertise. So we recruited a pharmacist from Minnesota who had participated in like states. So we only look at states like Pennsylvania. So Illinois, Vermont, Connecticut, merit-based medical states, which as you see these programs unfold, we've seen them become more and more professional. Uh, And we were really happy with Pennsylvania. So we built the team, we got the real estate, and we put together a very, very good application that we wrote ourselves. And we won a license. And not only do we won a license, we were the first approved to open in the state as a family-owned and operated mom and pop shop. That's great. So when did you uh, when did you actually start business? It's a good question. Actually, coming right around now, uh, we were technically approved December twenty eighth, two thousand seventeen. Right, so okay. we were way out ahead by months yeah. from our competition. And it's funny because there are companies that are still trying to say that they were first, yeah. <laughs> and we're still realizing how important it was to be first. That our brand identity got out there, and especially that we beat a lot of big businesses. And it was just, it's inspiring. But so December 28th was our technical, our, our first certification. And then our official open, our grand opening was January 17th. But we opened without product. And we did that intentionally. We opened for educational purposes where we had workshops for the community to introduce to law enforcement, to introduce to business leaders, medical leaders, and potential patients. And we ran workshops for two weeks on topics from vaporization 101 to cannabinoids and terpenes. So really tried, we take a very strong educational approach and it all again is trying to shift that paradigm and change the conversation. Yeah. 
so it, it's been a crazy ride so far since then. So when then we actually, our first sale of product was February 16th. Okay. So you're coming up on one year at this point. Yeah. Yeah. One year and one year in operations. So tell me a little bit more about sort of the team. How did you, how did you find the right people? What was the process for finding the right people? I mean, you mentioned, you know, someone who actually knew the, the cannabis products themselves, but tell me a little bit about putting together that team. Cause I think that's something a lot of, a lot of groups struggle with. It was definitely a struggle. Like I, I would say, and I, what I'm about to say, it sounds fortuitous, right? The, the team that we put together, it was almost that we looked at our strengths and they were fit perfectly into how Pennsylvania was unrolling the program, uh -huh. but it was a long, long road. Uh, I, I mean, it almost fell apart. I would say completely fell apart three times, you know, <laughs> so and yeah. mostly focused around real estate and funding. Yeah. Uh, so I would be like, it was like a day away from going, okay, I guess we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And every time we rallied or, or like someone just had a, a great idea or, or something broke and we continued on, like, we kind of described it as like a roller coaster ride the whole way through. Yeah. But so we started really with just the core team, uh, uh, me, my aunt and my father. We, like I said, we were looking at it as a, a permit acquisition business at that side. So uh, quite randomly, an old childhood friend or an old acquaintance from uh, my aunt, uh, she was, my aunt was a um, the head recruiter for a Wall Street law firm. Got it. And she was one of the lawyers she recruited in one of her, in her first career. Pat Gregory, she's one of our main partners now. She is a real estate lawyer. I have a master's in medical bioethics, and what I focused on at the practice was patient education. My aunt Joan, who is our COO, is a has an MBA, uh, 25 years experience in a non-for-profit setting of fundraising and awareness. Yeah. Uh, my father is a cardiologist, internal medicine, solo practitioner, which is a huge deal in Brooklyn, New York. Well, actually a huge deal anywhere now in healthcare systems as we see this alarming trend of paternalistic large yeah. health systems and you're losing this boutique type of medicine. Yeah. That's where his mentality is coming from. His real, really at the core of what we do is patient care and patient education. And that comes from the practice. Yeah. So that's the core of the team. And what we were trying to do for the application was show how in line our goals were with the program. Yep. And it was. So like we were fortunate in being able to craft an application to a program that really fit our business model. And I think that's really, I would say, a large part of how we started building ourselves. And then as we got going, we learned fast. Yeah. We, I will say we made the mistake of paying for a consultant early on. We shut them pretty quick. I mean, they taught us a little too much. That was even before we put in our application. Um, but we did. So like that was just kind of us acquainting ourselves with this industry. And then you hear it all the time. It's not much different than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's really not, you know, I mean, except for some tax codes, which are incredibly cumbersome. Yeah. It's, it's a startup business in a startup industry. Yeah, so exactly. I guess that is the difference, yeah. but you're not capturing mar market share. You're creating the market yep. and then creating market share. And we are actually, I was able to see this uh, from the beginning. I mean, we went from zero to uh, right now we have over 4,000 unique patients Wow! inside a year. Yeah. So it's amazing. Like right now there's, I think a hundred thousand patients statewide in Pennsylvania. Large part of that is because of large condition lists, physician involvement and DOH awareness campaign. Right. And then we got in early, made good relationships with physicians, good relationships with community leaders. And I think in the Lehigh Valley, I can confidently say that physicians are only really comfortable referring patients to us. Yeah. So to have that without being able to have a true referral network, which we're not allowed to have, we can't refer patients to physician or potential patients to physicians. Uh -huh. Physicians really can't to us. 
but they could recommend that, you know, they really trust those guys over there. And that's yeah. what we tried to do from the beginning is we got out ahead of them. We put medical professionals in the in front of them and we had the conversation of what is medical marijuana? How to use it as a medicine? How does it interact with the body? And what is your goals of therapy? Right. Yeah. So if you can answer those questions, it starts to become it's not magic anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like that people become more comfortable with you, especially in the medical community. And, and I think that's something that we have an eye towards now is we are very patient focused, but we also want to make a kind of a parlay into the wellness market. And that yeah, would that be sense. our and that, I mean, I, that would be our transition into an adult use market. It's away from the idea of a truly wreck, right? You know, mm -hmm. and that's something, you know, I think we had to learn on the fly is that's not really what we're going to do even in an adult. Mm -hmm. First of all, there's a ton of questions to answer if you have reciprocity. <laughs> Your reciprocity of your license. When is it happening? Uh, you know, I'm pretty confident to say that I, in other states, I, we will have reciprocity into an adult use market. Yeah. But we still want to maintain our patient base. Like yeah, this is exactly. why we're doing. It. We really like it, and and actually seeing patients interact, and you can't you can't deny it, right? In any legal market, there are recreational patients. I'm using yeah. air quotes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For those listening here, he's got his fingers up in the air, going up and down. <laughs> There are recreational patients, I, and I don't. I hesitate to say that because I do think that people are using this substance in a medicinal fashion, or yeah. they're using it in stress relief fashion. Or, and if they're not, they may be abusing it, but they start using it in a more respectful or a more um, functional way. Yeah. So that's what's been inspiring to me is that I knew we would have both those types of patients. And why I had a good piece of advice when we first started is you need to be good at both, yeah. right? You need to be able to talk to the stoner at the counter and you need to be able to comfort that end of life cancer patient. Yeah, exactly. And you need to do perfectly. Yeah. I think that's what we're good at. And I, I, to me, that's what I've just been reminding myself all the way through. And it's not, Smart. you know, it's not, this, yeah, it's not just to use that language stoner at the counter. I do see patients who have been using cannabis for 20 years and maybe abusing it. Yeah. And now that they're able to talk about it out in the open and they can actually use products that they know what they are, they're using it more functionally. They're using it as a wellness substance. Yeah, exactly. It's so yeah. And we key in on yeah. patients. We bring them in. We bring them part of the community. That's what it's about. We And that's really what I'm trying to say is even in a fully legalized market, I think we do exactly what we're doing now. Yeah. So let's back up in just a second so people understand, because I'm not sure everyone appreciates exactly how this process works. It varies a little bit state by state, but give us a sense of how an individual, how a patient goes about getting cannabis in a, a medical yeah. only state, because I think that's it's important for people to understand. Like, where does a patient start and how does the process work? Sure. Right now in a medical state, you would have to have a qualifying condition. A qualifying condition would be listed by the Department of Health. The Department of Health is usually the governing body of a medical marijuana program. Got it. Medical marijuana programs are instituted very strictly because it's federally illegal. And it's our protection against the federal government to have strict regulations. So a medical patient would, in Pennsylvania at least, and how it does very similarly in other states, would register with the Department of Health. Really what you're doing there is verifying that you are a, a resident of the state. Okay. You do that. You can, you're in a database and physicians are also certified and put in a database. So, so I can't, I have to go to a, a, a physician that has been licensed to, and it's not prescribing, I'm licensed to certify and recommend. So certify and recommend. We, yeah. yeah. How we like to see it done is that a physician is certifying or attesting that you have the medical conditions that would qualify you for cannabis. Got it. Right. They do also allow physicians to make cannabis dosing recommendations. I'm not quite a fan of that. 
Okay. Because early on, they don't know enough about cannabis. And even if they did, they do not know what products are available. But that's a side note. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's an important side note because I think that's, I think for a lot of, you know, for consumers, patients, it's still a little unclear on how this works. So I would, I would first, do, do I first register myself or do I first find a physician who is? Uh, register online. Okay. Right, you register online to the Department of Health. Then online, there's also a list of those physicians. You call one of those physicians. You set up an appointment. In that appointment, they do a certification, which is an online document that they are de- that they are submitting to the Got Department it. of Health. And then the Department of Health is approving those. It's approve or deny. But if it's a physician's recommendation, they will never. They, I've never heard of them denying. You can't. Act. I don't really think they can, as long as the physician is attesting to it. So the certification is filled out. You pay a fifty dollars fee to the Department of Health, and they mail you a medical marijuana ID. Card card that would have the same picture as your photo ID that you registered with at the beginning, okay. right? So once you have that card in hand, then you can visit a dispensary and be dispensed medical marijuana. Okay. So- and it is anywhere in the state. Like this is, we're now talking within the state boundaries. I can go to any state authorized dispensary and Correct. procure something. Now, what happens when I actually go into the dispensary? What is that experience like? So Pennsylvania does require a pharmacist to be on site or a medical professional. So a pharmacist has to be on site at your main location. Uh And then you have two satellite locations with your license. You're allowed to open three. Uh So our main location has to have a pharmacist and our two satellite locations have to have either a nurse practitioner or a PA, a physician's assistant. So the reason why I say that, though, is because certain dispensaries use their pharmacists and medical professionals different ways. We use them functionally. We require consults and we also make sure that our pharmacists can operate and manage a location because it is a cost to have a medical uh, professional on the premises. You're required to have it. So that's one thing that's baked in, but we also want to use them. So we do require patients to go through initial consults. And really that's an onboarding process so that we can get to know the patient and what their goals of therapy are. Otherwise, you don't need to do that, right? So other dispensaries may not require you to do that. You could potentially just have a cannabis card, go to a dispensary and buy cannabis. Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly a fan of that, especially in a medical marijuana program. I'll take a step back there. I do understand that there are patients who know what they're doing. I don't want to, I do not want to discourage choice. I want you to have choice. That is the beauty of this medicine is the beauty of this industry is that it always comes down. You have such variation and you can control what you're consuming. So that like to us, we're just helping you make better choices based on what you want. So that, and that all starts the initial console and people do actually appreciate it afterwards, but it is a battle to get them there sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And I really do get it. I appreciate it because it's an added step to you being able to have access to your medication that a lot of the people in an early market, early adopters have been fighting for, for a very, very long time. Yeah. You know? So we're still in the first 100,000 people. We got 100,000 people to go who are cannabis warriors yeah. who got this. They're the advocates who brought this here. Yeah. So very passionate. Like our first sale, <laughs> they cheered. <laughs> I, I couldn't That's believe great. it. I couldn't, like, like our first sale, he has his bag up in the air. There's a picture of it. Yeah. There's a bag up in the air and the lobby is applauding. It. <laughs> and it was a big deal. you know. Yeah. And, and where else are you going to get excited about medicine like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and I think it's important for you know, listeners to kind of appreciate the, the, the way this is kind of playing out in terms of the customer experience, because I, th- I, I think that is still you know, an area that's undergoing huge innovation, which is what is this experience like in the dispensary and, and this kind of consultative approach versus, you know, customer driven. I just go in and I, you know, select off a touchscreen menu and it shows up in a bag. And it, this is, 
I think this is key to understand as the market develops and as the type of customers that we have coming to dispensaries, you know, as that changes and, you know, becomes more varied and we move from the, the sort of the, the cannabis friendly, you know, the pot culture, people that have been using cannabis already to, you know, people that have potentially coming out of a mindset of, you know, cannabis is the devil's lettuce, but now are starting to think about maybe not like how, like the, the experience that they have is going to be quite different. And I like the idea that, well, you know, you've got this big strategic advantage of being the first to the market here that really focusing on this customer experience as being kind of a strategy for you from a dispensary point of view, I think is a good one. I, mean, I think that that's an area that innovation and getting that right and, and developing a good experience will, will help strategically. I guess, what else have you found in terms of the, as you think through the customer experience or you kind of think through the different types of customers that you're serving, how have you kind of designed the experience or designed the process to meet those different needs and, and kind of qualify people and make sure that experience is positive for them? I would love for you to come here and, and just experience a patient experience from start to finish. I right. really would, because everything you just said is what we're trying to tailor a patient's experience around. Yeah. And, and I think the best way to, to say it, and, and what I think I've, we've figured out so far, it, it, to put it simply, is education yeah. on two different levels, three different levels. Uh, one, on a higher level, that's with the workshops. It's general public education, you know, through educational videos. And we have two in the pipeline that actually hit right on what you're saying. Awesome. Second is staff education. And I, I think that's the biggest thing in this industry right now is being able to educate your staff and your, your product specialists or your bud tenders, whatever you want to call them, on how to interact with patients or how to interact with consumers and how to direct them and be a resource for them in making efficient, effective and safe product selections. Yeah. And we we could really get into that. <laughs> but that and then patient education. So those three, public education, staff education, patient or consumer education at the counter. Yeah. What is happening at the time of transaction? And that's why we start with that initial consult. And that's what I say. It's an onboarding process. So what's the onboarding process is, have you used cannabis before? Did you know what you got? Did you like it? Did it have the alleviation of your symptoms? Did you have desired effect? When did you use it? Yeah. Key us in. What was it potent? Was it too strong? Was it uplifting? Was it sedating? So basically having these conversations, gauging patient base over the last year, what we've found out is that the best way you can frame it or the best selection you can make comes into three categories. One is format or modality. Mm -hmm. So do you want to inhale or do you want to ingest? Uh, mainly, right? There are other formats. There's topical creams and whatnot. Ratio of THC and CBD. Okay. Yep. Then spectrum of effect. So you have format, ratio, and spectrum. So spectrum is the biggest, is your strain identity. And that's how we kind of frame. And, and then it's understanding the plant or the product, basically. A lot of consumers, patients, they don't necessarily want to, and I, I run into this, right? Because yeah. I can just launch into a whole, like... <laughs> Geek out on uh, strains. And, yeah. They were like, okay, I just want to know what's good for me. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Information <laughs> overload. Like, just tell me that. Just, just give me, just press yeah. pause and go... Just give, all right. So and that's a good, that's another important part is you need to read your consumer. Yeah. You need to read your patients. Some of them really want to know it. Some of them just want to get on with their day and pick up their product. Yeah. So you need to know your audience. I'm still working on that. Yeah. So it, and that's what it is. Like it's 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 telling them. It's even telling them that it's like really what we're trying to do is establish a framework and a ladder or a latest that patients can. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's two different approaches. It's either a sandbox approach or a direct recommendation, right? So a lot of patients fall into the sandbox approaches. I'm just going to make sure that I set up parameters for you, such as a starting area, an escalation, hold, right? Yeah. I'm going to set up parameters. I'm going to give you the interval of which you should change, right? So uh -huh. if it's a tincture, 
I'm going to tell you to alter by 0.25 mLs, up and down, titrate up and down. What are you looking for? How are you titrating effect? So give them key factors. Give them factors on what are you... I'm giving you all the secrets. But then really what you need to make sure you're doing is when you're asking a patient for feedback, give them examples of what type of feedback you're looking for because it confuses them otherwise. So it's like, what what am I asking you to do? Are you having alleviation of your symptoms? Are you experiencing psychoactivity? What we're trying to do is find the sweet spot between both of those, right? And I can only do that if you give me feedback. So with a tincture, we like starting with tinctures because it's easier to find your dose. Uh What we're trying to do is find your dose. We're going to help you find your dose. We're going to reinvigorate you back into your healthcare. Uh We're going to put the patient back in the driver's seat. And on on a bigger scale, we're going to, it's self-empowerment. It's getting, it's making you present. And cannabis is amazing at doing that. It's cannabis as a catalyst into launching you into being more present into your own life, right? So what we're seeing is patients are eating better. They're moving better. They're sleeping better. I want to start doing something with that. And 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 it's not it's patients it's consumers it's wellness and that's what I think we're going to start doing maybe not 2019 I think we'll start doing it in 2019 but yeah. 2020 is going to be more of that year is how we're going to differentiate ourselves our differentiation is patient experience tailoring a custom experience based on your desired effect yeah based on cannabinoid profile and terpenes. So different strain identities have different, you know, your main medicinal drivers are CBD and THC. You have anti-inflammatory effect, mood modulation effect of THC. You have calming and neurological properties of CBD. You sprinkle terpenes on top to get those minute effects of energizing and focusing. I say minute because CBD and THC are your main drivers, right? Terpenes are those or those special, like they, they're responsible for chemical profile. They're, spe- yeah. they're responsible for that energizing effect. They're, they're responsible for that mellowing effect, right? In conjunction with your cannabinoids. I talk about those mainly with patients. Uh-huh. I don't see other cannabinoids in appreciable amounts yet. Yeah. Uh, other ones I'd like to explore would be like CBN, THCV, CBN for sleep promoting sleep aid, uh, THCV for actually appetite suppression. So there's a lot to explore here, right? So what one thing that we're working on now is trying to identify terpene profile because I think strains are a great way to educate people, you know, the biodiesel and, and uh, yeah. you know, Rare. They're good, but I, I think strains aren't going anywhere. First of all, uh, yeah, I don't. Interesting. Okay. I think they'll be around, but I also want to be more educated in the fact that all a strain is is a particular combination of cannabinoids and terpenes yeah, exactly. that have a user-reported effect. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what a user-reported effect, and that's what we're doing. So another thing that we're going to do is start to formalize this. So what I have my staff doing is they're always looking at terpene profiles. They're trying to match up, you know, this presence of a terpene and the lack of this terpene next that this potency or this ratio can have a particular effect. All right, we're, we're guessing that, mm-hmm. right? Now let's gauge our patient base. Now let's hear that from 20 people. Let's hear that from 100 people. Yeah. Then I can probably start saying it to other people, right? I mean, this is like customized medicine. I mean, you're talking about basically, you know, coming up with the kind of the parameters or, or the variables, the levers you can pull and push on this stuff and saying, okay, now I can take new patient, you know, why and, you know, look at the symptoms and the desired effects and say, all right, well, based on other patients that we have that have tried these different things, here's a profile that we think is going to work best for you. Correct. And I would say, I don't think we're not the only people doing this, obviously, mm-hmm. but we want to start formalizing this. We want to start quantifying it. We want to start quantifying the patient experience of exactly that. And then start making our data sets randomized and aggregate, obviously. Start making data sets based on patient surveys available to academic institutions to start furthering the field of research. Yeah. But I, I just, you know, I like doing all that, but I also enjoy, <laughs> I, I, this is almost counterintuitive to almost everything. 
I enjoy the magic around it too, where yeah. someone finds that strain, that or that particular chemical profile that just resonates very well with them. Yeah. And they can have a paradox paradoxical reaction to it. Yeah. It could have been Kush. OG Kush, I hear it all the time. OG Kush is supposed to be an indica. It is like it is the working horse of cannabis genetics. Yeah. And not people who come, they inhale and they are active all day long. Right. Yeah. So Every different strain can potentially resonate differently with a different patient. Yeah. So that's is very much user generated, user driven, and user reported. Well, and I like the idea. I mean, I, I think that mindset works well, you know, in terms of the dispensary dispensary's role in the process, which is it is, you know, there's a bit of an exploration process around it. And you need to start with some knowledge and start with some kind of, uh, you know, assessment and some consulting and sort of advisory. But then you need that feedback process to say, okay, well, what was the effect? What it worked? What didn't? And where do we go from there? And, and having kind of a knowledgeable partner in this process seems like a great sort of role for the dispensaries to play on this. Let me ask a little bit about product development. Talking about the strains, you're talking about the terpenes. Where do you see kind of the product innovation going? I guess, how, how do you get your product right now? And how does the availability of different product limit your ability to, to do the work that you want to do? So not unlike any other medical marijuana state, we can only source from in the state. Yep. Uh, currently, there, are, there were 12 grower processor permits awarded in phase one of the medical marijuana program in Pennsylvania. Uh, there are currently nine operating and we purchase from all nine of them. We really try not to purchase from a grower without inspecting their facility. Yep. We're able to inspect about half of them right now. Other half that we haven't inspected are, are major growers. Yep. I don't really care though. I mean, I still want to go see their facility, yep. but so we will eventually see all of them. When Pennsylvania first started, flour was not allowed. And we started seeing a lot of innovation in concentrate market. So yeah. cartridges and particularly live resin concentrates. Uh, so live resin is not dried or cured. It's flash frozen. Uh -huh. And then they make the extraction uh, from there or they, they either the usually a hydrocarbon extraction for yeah. live resin is going to maintain better terpene profile, better flavor, better strain identity. Really what we're seeing in a trend is trying to get extractions and oils closer. To, yeah, that's really kind of what we've seen is terpene, obviously terpene profile. Terps yeah. are all over the place. Um, a lot of growers are just they're terp farmers, which uh, it makes sense, right? Yeah. But really, what we're seeing is trying to get extractions to emulate the plant as best it can in that market. I see a huge, and I think this caught a lot of people off guard. CBD low THC CBD ratio products, I think, is the future of cannabis, hands down. In a fully legalized market, I think it's better than hemp oil. I think it's better than pure CBD. Low dose THC, like a two to one ratio, is probably was like the reason why I say this is there's growers who come from other states who did not put much importance in CBD products, and yeah. then they hit Pennsylvania, and and this is my guess is yeah. because of that oil, right? And because of the national distribution of it, because of, uh, you know, Haley's Hope and and, uh, and Mitchell's Medicinals and those, like, the three main hemp oils that have been around and well, you know, well vetted. Uh, yeah. I guess there's only three that I really recommend. Yeah. But uh, Charlotte's Web, that just generated hype around CBD and cannabis-derived CBD is better than hemp-derived CBD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially, and, and really, really, the, the, mag, the true medicinal benefit of the plant comes shines when it's a ratio of thc and cbd yeah, this kind right? of entourage so effect oh, yeah. yeah yeah so that's what i say i think more ratio products more exploration of actual other cannabinoids and terpenes yeah. so that's what we've seen recently this year where are we going device wise 
just better delivery mechanisms. Then cartridges are always getting better. We're starting to see pods a lot more. Uh, pods are the square types of cartridges. Um, okay. Pax pods, uh, Pax pods, pods, and Jupiter darts are kind of three new products that are. What I mean by better, I mean better vapor production, smoother, yep. and you can meet your dose. Yeah, right. Exactly. So these these are better things, and uh, it's it just happens so quickly. So I think I need to remind myself of how far out ahead we are. Yeah. You know. And we really are, but then there are other people doing it. So I'm always encouraged when I don't see people doing this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> it's like, hey, no one's doing this yet. Yeah. No, I get it. Victor, this has been a pleasure. We're going to hit time here in a minute. If people want to find out more about you, about Keystone, what's the best way to get information and get more uh, get more details? We are pretty active on social media. And then also our website is our best resource. It's www.keystonecanaremedies.com. And you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. We try to communicate and and just get the message out there of, of how to use cannabis as a medicine. Awesome. I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes so people can click through. And I will take you up on your offer. I will come down and uh, and visit. I'll find some time in the next uh, you do? next couple of weeks. We'll do it. Yeah, Victor, it's been great. Thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. I learned a lot. Hopefully our listeners learned a lot as well. All right. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.